Welcome to this presentation of First Baptist Church Lowe. We're glad to have you joining us today. Our mission at FBC Lowe is to bring glory to God by being disciple makers. For that purpose, we present the following resource that it may be a blessing. All right, we'll grab a Bible, turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, in case you use one of our pew Bibles, you can find that on page 980. Last week we covered the beginning of the introduction to this letter as Paul addressed the church at Philippi along with its leaders. And we saw that he shared with them how grateful he was for their partnership in the gospel. And we saw that from the, the moment, the first day that they became believers, the Philippians have been evangelizing, they have been discipling, they've been praying, they've been suffering, and they've been giving to advance the gospel, both in Philippi and in other parts of the world. And because of this, Paul thanks God, and he prays for them joyfully, and, and he thanks God for the work that he has done in and through the Philippians. And so as we finish the introduction this morning, we're going to see what Paul prays for the Philippians, and we're going to consider what that means for us. And so we're in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 6. He writes, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So as we pick back up here in verse 6, Paul is continuing his thought from verses 3 through 5. And in fact, it was pointed out during the, the Q&A time last week that while not all translations show it, including the ESV, verses 3 through 6 are actually all one long sentence. And so while it may appear that Paul is starting a new topic here, he's actually elaborating on what he's been saying. And so in verses 3 through 5, Paul said that he gives thanks to God for the Philippians. That he prays for them joyfully because of their partnership in the gospel. And now in verse 6, we see that he also prays for them confidently. He says, and I am sure of this, or being confident of this. Paul prays for the Philippians confidently. Now, what Paul is confident of as he prays for the Philippians is, is found uh, in, the, in the rest of the verse. That, that the Philippians are secure in their salvation because of God's preserving work in them. Right? He says, I'm, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And so as, as we've seen before, for Paul, salvation is God's work from beginning to end. Right? That's, that's not to say that we don't have any role to play in it, but the primary initiating, sustaining, and finishing work is done in us by God. And our ultimate hope and confidence rests in his ability to accomplish his plans. Right? Paul is confident that the Lord will finish what he started. So think for a moment, 
about the Philippians as they first heard the words of Paul's letter being read. Imagine Lydia thinking back to when the Lord opened her heart to understand and respond to what Paul was telling her about who Jesus is and what he has done to save us from our sin through his life, death, and resurrection. Imagine the jailer thinking back to God supernaturally delivering Paul and Silas from from prison and how right before he took his own life, God used Paul to share the gospel with him and he believed. Imagine the young slave girl thinking back to how God had delivered her from demonic possession. Imagine all of the people who have come to faith through the ministry of the Philippian church. God has done something incredible in their lives. And the same thing is true for us today. Right? It is God, by the Holy Spirit, who opens our eyes to see and understand the truth about the gospel, about Jesus, who regenerates our hearts, giving us new life spiritually. And the good news is that this God who has started a good work of salvation in us continues to work in us in the process of sanctification, gradually making us more and more like Jesus as he leads us away from sin and more and more into obedience as we grow in our obedience to the Lord over the course of our lives. Paul is thankful for what God has done in the Philippians from the first day up until now, and he is confident that God is going to take them from this point and and continue working in them until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, in our study through 1 Thessalonians a couple months ago, we saw that the day of the Lord, or the day of Christ, refers to the day when Jesus will come back to establish his kingdom, to judge his enemies, and to reward his people. And, And we saw that on that day, which nobody knows when it's going to be, right? We saw that. Right? That, that, that God is going to finish our salvation. He is going to complete it by transforming us, completely taking away our sinful natures and giving us immortal bodies so that we can live with him forever. And we often refer to this in shorthand as glorification. And in verse 7, Paul affirms that it is right for him to have this confidence about the Philippians. He says that's because he holds them in his heart. They have a special place in his affections. And they have this place in his heart because throughout his ministry, and now as he sits imprisoned waiting to stand trial for his ministry before the emperor, the Philippians have consistently demonstrated that they are partners and partakers of grace with him. As I mentioned last week in the beginning of the introduction, they have sent one of their own members to visit and to encourage him. They have sent gifts to him to help him provide for the needs that he has. And the, the Philippians continued partnership in the ministry of the gospel, despite all of the challenges and setbacks, is evidence of verse 6 of the Holy Spirit's continuing work in them. And thus it is right for Paul to have the confidence he has about them. And then finally, in verse 8, Paul makes the strongest statement yet about his love for the Philippians when he says that he yearns for them with the affections of Christ Jesus. You may even notice that he calls God to be his witness in this. And that's not so much because Paul is afraid the Philippians might not believe what he's saying, as much as it simply serves to emphasize the sincerity of what he is saying. 
right? If, if Paul could be anywhere in the world, if he could snap his fingers and be anywhere in the world, he would be back in Philippi with this church. He misses them dearly. And if you think about it, for all practical purposes, Paul is on the total opposite end of the world in terms of, of the ancient world at this point. And he is there in a time before Zoom calls, before emails or telephones, and, and before any type of, of fast transportation. He is genuinely isolated. And I'm sure that when he thought back to the fellowship and love that he had with the Philippians, it made him wish that he could get back and be with them again. And so Paul has explained why and how he prays for the Philippians. And starting in verse 9, he moves on to the what of his prayers. What is it specifically that Paul prays for them? We'll look at that as we pick up beginning in verse 9. He says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And so moving into verse 9, we see that when Paul prays for the Philippians, his focus is not on their physical health. He doesn't pray for them to avoid persecution or other difficult circumstances. And certainly there's nothing wrong with praying for those things, but those are not his priority. Instead, he prays for their spiritual well-being. And specifically, he prays that their love will abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And so first of all, Paul wants their love to abound more and more, or, or to constantly increase. Now we have discussed this many times before, but it's always good to be reminded. That the biblical concept of love it does not refer primarily to a feeling that we have about someone. It is not an unconditional affirmation of another person. Right? Love is a commitment to the well-being of another person that is willing to sacrifice for their benefit if necessary. Right? Love is a commitment to seeking the welfare of another person, even if it means that it is costly for me. And Paul prays that the Philippians' love, their self-sacrificing commitment to one another, will continue to increase more and more. Then secondly, Paul prays that their love will be accompanied by knowledge and all discernment. Which, which are words that refer to the ability to understand God's will in a particular situation. And that's confirmed further in verse 10, where we see that knowledge and discernment are important so that the Philippians may approve what is excellent. In other words, knowledge and discernment will enable the Philippians to understand what the appropriate course of action is in a given situation. This is often much more important than we tend to realize. And so think about it like this. What would you think if one of my children came up to me and they said, Dad, I have got the worst headache ever. And I said to them, oh no, I'm so sorry to hear that. Here, take this teaspoon of Tenactin. You might think I was crazy. Right? For one thing, Tenactin 
uh, does not treat headaches, it treats athlete's foot. And for another thing, it's not meant to be ingested, it's meant to be applied topically. Right? So on the one hand, it's, it's, it's very good that I have a, a sincere desire to take care of my child. But if I don't understand how to do that appropriately, the reality is I could end up doing more harm than good. And the same thing is true in our relationships. If, if our love is going to abound, then we need knowledge and discernment for what that should look like in particular situations. Now, we need to know what actions and attitudes will be pleasing to God here. What can I do that will be genuinely helpful and serve the well-being of this other person? And so Paul prays that God will give the Philippians knowledge and discernment. And secondly, at the end of verse 10 through verse 11, we see that being able to approve what is excellent results in a purity of life. And Paul also uses the word blameless to describe it in light of the future coming of the Lord. And the New Testament often refers to God's people preparing themselves for the day of the Lord and in a similar way to how people might prepare themselves to welcome a dignitary or, or a celebrity. But instead of being focused on how we look physically, the Bible emphasizes the role of preparing our character, our hearts, and our, our uh, behavior. Our, our love abounding with knowledge and discernment will allow us to approve what is excellent and the, the expected implication of that is that knowing what is excellent will, will lead to us doing it. Right? Just as love needs knowledge, in the same way knowledge needs obedience in order to ultimately accomplish its given purpose. Right? And when we are faithful in living the way the Lord calls us to, we will be ready when the Lord comes back. And Paul words it as being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus and that ultimate, ultimately serves and results in glory and praise of God. Because once again, God is the author and finisher of our faith. And all that we have to show for ourselves is ultimately because of his grace. And so as we finish the introduction of, of Paul's letter to the Philippians this morning, Paul shares his confidence that the Lord who has started a good work of salvation in these people is going to continue working in them until the day of Christ. And, and between now and then, he prays that their love will abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that they can approve what is excellent and ultimately uh, be prepared for his return. And in many ways, this is the central idea of the whole letter. Most everything else that Paul is going to say in Philippians, in one way or another, is going to be fleshing out what it looks like to love with knowledge and all discernment. But as we've said before with Paul's prayers, in other contexts, if he prayed this for the Philippians, then he would pray this for us as well. And therefore, we should pray, and we should pursue this reality for ourselves. Now, now we know that, that the topic of love is important. Love is, is included in every letter of the New Testament. All right, we have run into it over 
and over again. Many of you can probably define the word in your sleep by now because you have heard me say it so many times. And, and you may even wonder, what is the point, what is the benefit of yet another sermon on the importance of love? Is there any benefit to yet another sermon about love? And I would tell you that there is. You know, anytime that the Bible repeats something over and over again, it's usually because we need to be reminded of it frequently. But, but more than that, more specifically, the longer I am a Christian, and the longer I serve as a pastor, uh, the more I come to realize that love is something that we often want in the abstract, but not so much in reality. And what I mean by that is that we really like the idea of loving one another until we actually have to do it. You know, there, are, there are a lot of things that are like this in life. Maybe we would like to lose some weight or to learn a foreign language or to get better control over our finances. And these are all good things. And we may really want to do them. But when push comes to shove and we actually have to do something to make them happen, suddenly they're not quite as desirable as they were before. Right, when I have to start eating better and exercising more in order to lose weight, losing weight doesn't become as important as it, as it was anymore. Right, when I have to start memorizing new vocabulary words and spending time learning new grammar forms instead of watching my favorite TV show or spending time on social media, all of a sudden learning a foreign language isn't that important anymore. Right, when I have to stop buying things that I want but I don't really need and save that money instead, getting control of my finances isn't as much of a priority as it used to be. Right, I love the idea. I wish I could lose weight learn a foreign language, get control of my finances, but I don't necessarily want them enough to do it. And church, my concern is that far too often, loving one another is an idea that we really like, but it's not something that we're willing to put in the effort for. Again, love is, is don't misunderstand me, because I absolutely want to love you, right? <laughs> I, I absolutely want to love you until I actually have to do it. I, I really want to love you until you say or do something that I don't like. Or until your personal preferences clash with mine. Or until you fail to love me in some way. And now I feel justified in returning the favor. Right, love is great until that self-sacrificing element of it comes into play. And, and then it's not so much anymore. Maybe you can relate to that. Church, that's why love is primarily a commitment. It is a choice that we have to intentionally make to do good towards another person. And in that sense, our love reflects the love that God has given us through Christ. Right, the, the, the fact, uh, again, is, is that love is not primarily a warm, fuzzy feeling. That's certainly not the case with God towards us. It's not unconditional affirmation. Again, that's not God's love towards us. 
The reality is that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have rebelled against the God who created us, and we rightly deserve to receive his condemnation. But the good news of the gospel is that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus demonstrated his love by sacrificing himself for our well-being on the cross. Now as his people, he calls us to love one another. We we all know the, the text. Jesus tells the disciples in John chapter 13, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The the visible witness of the church before a watching world depends in large measure on us loving one another. It creates an environment that is so countercultural, it is so supernatural that people have to reckon with the gospel. Because this, is, there, there's, this must be true because there's no other explanation for what's happening here. Unfortunately, I have no doubt that all of us are painfully aware of stories where much damage has been done by churches when the membership failed to love one another. And not only that, we saw in our, our series through 1 John that when someone consistently fails to love, It reveals that they don't truly know the Lord themselves. And so in more ways than one, this is serious. There is nothing more central to our faith, nothing more central to being a disciple of Jesus than love. And there's there's nothing uh, that, that we can do that is greater. Paul says the greatest of these things is love. Now again, we're going to keep coming back to this over the next couple of months as Paul fleshes out what this looks like in a variety of contexts. And so for this morning, I just wanted to put it out there. This is something that we need to make a point of prayer and personal reflection for our individual lives and for our church. See, when we talk about love, everyone nods their head, everyone says amen. But church, the Lord expects us to do something with this. And that's something that we need to consider And so I would ask you, are you really looking to love the other members of our church? All of the other members of our church, not just the ones that you get along with naturally. This morning, may the Lord cause our love to abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that we may approve what is excellent and live lives that honor and glorify him. Let's pray together.